Sorry to disappoint that Andy isn't here, but uh, we have the same Bible, and I think we're going to have a good time together. Let's spend some time in prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, good morning, Father, morning, Jesus, good morning, Holy Spirit, hallowed be your name. In our worship today, in our lives this week, may we lift up your precious name. Your kingdom come. King Jesus, have your way in our lives. Help us to spread the gospel of the kingdom to all the nations. King Jesus, we look forward to that day when you come back and your kingdom is here in all of its fullness. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Holy Spirit, fall fresh on us. May it start with us. And may others see us delighting to do your will on earth, and may others join us so that your will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. You know our financial needs as individuals and families and as a church, and we acknowledge our neediness to you. Meet our needs. Oh, and our relational needs. Forgive us our debts. Lord, we've sinned much. Forgive us. And Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Oh, help us to forgive those that have wronged us. And our spiritual needs lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us from the evil within us, our flesh of thinking that we can run our lives better than you deliver us. Deliver us from the world that's always trying to squeeze us into its mold. And Lord, deliver us from the evil one. As we open your word together today, may your spirit fall fresh and teach us, for we pray in Jesus' name, amen. My wife, Karen, loves to watch Dateline. Dateline is a show, if you don't know what it is, it's about murder. And something I never would have known if she hadn't made me watch so many episodes is when someone is murdered the most likely person who committed the murder is someone very close to them, a family member usually. <clears throat> Matter of fact, when a, when a spouse is murdered, it's most likely that their spouse murdered them. And my wife loves that show. <laughs> I do not sleep well at night. <laughs> but have you ever wondered what the first murder was in history? This morning, we're going to explore the first murder in history, and you know what? It took place in a family. It took place in a family, and when we understand that, we understand the world in which we live in, even Dateline. Uh, and so this morning, what we're going to unpack, the, the point we're really going to look at is the battle begins. We're going to look at the first murder and see this battle that begins, and it helps us understand history, why history is so filled with murder and conflict and bloodshed. If you're new here, this year we've been walking at Good News through the book of Genesis. Uh, we, we looked at creation, how God made everything, and then we looked at the fall, and we saw last week how the fall wrecked everything. David Swicegood brought our message last week, and it was really good, and he shared with us in Genesis chapter 3, uh, and if you have your Bible, you can turn to Genesis 3 and 4, that's where we'll be, but he shared with us the first time the gospel was preached, <clears throat> God said to the serpent, to, to the devil, and I will put enmity. See the word enmity, it, 
It's the same kind of root word as enemy. I'm going to put conflict. I'm going to put enmity, hostility. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. So there's the pattern that history will be about two groups. There's the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. There's a conflict between the world and the devil until one day, until one day, one of the seed of the woman, Jesus would come and he would crush the head of the serpent, dealing him a fatal blow while the devil would bruise his heel. So there's the pattern throughout the Bible, throughout history, we see this battle. The battle begins between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. And uh, chapter 3 teaches that to us. Chapter 4 that we're going to look at will illustrate it for us. But David shared last week as well that um, Adam and Eve believed the gospel. And that's why in Genesis 3.20, now the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all the living. That they believed the gospel that one day, one day a Savior would be born. So that sets us up for chapter 4, which is what we're going to read today. Now the man had relations with his wife Eve. And if you have the King James Version, it says that the man knew his wife. Isn't that a great word? When the Bible talks about sex and marriage, it doesn't use some of the terms that are used in our culture. It uses a great term, doesn't it? That Adam knew Eve. So now the man had relations with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. And she said, I have gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. And uh, we see her faith there that perhaps this one's the Savior. Perhaps this one is the Savior. The firstborn was Cain. Again, she gave birth to his brother Abel, and um, a secondborn. And Abel was a keeper of flocks, and Cain was a tiller of the ground. Two sons, one a farmer, and one uh, a keeper of the flocks, probably a shepherd. Two sons, two vocations, both good vocations. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Um, Abel, on his heart, brought of the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. Now, we have learned that we were created for a person and a place. We were created to do life with God in paradise. And in the beginning, Adam and Eve walked with God, person and place. And because of the fall... Because of the fall, they've been kicked out of the garden, no longer the place. But it seems like, at this point in history, it seems like God came and walked among them. So they brought their offerings to the Lord. Um, and And it says, And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering, but for Cain and for his offering he had no regard. So Abel brought his offering, and and the Lord was pleased with it, but not Cain. And and we ask, well, why is that? And many commentators say it was the offering, that it was the offering that God had told Adam and Eve that their offering should be blood sacrifices to teach us about Jesus. But I don't see that in here, do do you? And and, and that could be true, but I, I, I don't see it. What I want you to notice, what I think it's not so much the offering, 
but the offerer. Did you hear what it says the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering? Uh, he had regard for the person and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. Let me help you see that a little bit. In, in 1 John 3, verse 12, uh, we're called to love one another and then said, not as Cain, for he was of the evil one. Remember the two lines? There's the line of the serpent and there's the line of the woman. So Cain was of the line of the serpent. The Cain was of the evil one and slew his brother. And for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. So, um, so Cain didn't have faith and, and God had no regard for him nor his offering. Well, what about Abel? What about Abel? In Hebrews 11, many people call this the Faith Hall of Fame, the Faith Hall of Fame. Do you know who the first person listed is in the Faith Hall of Fame? It is Abel. So why did God have regard for Abel and his sacrifice? In Hebrews 11:4, by faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice. He offered it by faith. And that's how we please God, isn't it? Through our faith. So God had regard both for Cain or for Abel and a sacrifice. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous, God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, yet he still speaks. So let me see if I can illustrate that for you. Let's say today you brought in a check for $10,000 and you put it in the offering plate. Now, if you brought that check in and gave it because you thought that if I give this check, I can earn my salvation, uh, by this I can purchase God's love, then God would not be pleased with you nor with your offering. Now listen, I would thank you, okay? I don't care why you gave it. If you gave it, I would be thankful, right? But God would not. God would not have regard for you. On the other hand, if you brought that check and you put it in the offering plate by faith saying, thank you, Jesus, because you love Jesus. Jesus, I'm giving this because I want others to know you. And you love one another, so you give so that others could have a church to come to and hear the word of God. If you love the lost and you gave because you wanted people around the world to hear the gospel, then the Lord would have regard for you and for your offering, right? And it's true not just with offerings, but isn't it true with good works? If you do good works saying, man, I am going to do these good works and I'm going to earn my salvation, then God is not pleased with you nor with your works. But if your good works come from faith, that you realize I was saved for good works. If your good works flow out of a love for Jesus and a love for one another and a love for the lost, then the Lord is pleased with you and your good works. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering, but for Cain and for his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. Uh, countenance is your face. That Cain became very angry and, and he put on a grumpy face. See the word anger? Anger is a powerful emotion, isn't it? It's not always a wrong emotion, but the Bible cautions us with things, doesn't it? Doesn't the Bible say to be slow to anger, doesn't it? 
And the Bible would also say what? Um, uh, don't let your anger go on too long. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. And the Bible would also what? Say don't give the devil an opportunity. So the Bible warns us about anger. Uh, Cain's not going to heed those warnings. Then the Lord God said to Cain, notice how God is pursuing Cain and God is asking questions. Then the Lord God said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? Why are you so angry? Why do you have such a grumpy face? If you do well, if you learn to live by faith, if you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? Won't your face show it? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you. See the word sin? This is the first time that sin is used in the Bible. The first time words occur in the Bible, very significant. And I want you to know that sin is in us. Sin is far more powerful than most of us imagine. As a matter of fact, the potential for any sin that anyone has ever done lies inside of all of us. Sin is crouching. Who crouches? Who crouches what? Cats do, don't they? Don't cats crouch? You, I saw a great meme once. It was a house cat. The house cat was looking at its owners and said, if I was bigger, I would eat you. <laughs> Isn't that what lions do? Don't they? Lions crouch and then they what? Then they jump and devour. That's what it's saying. Be careful. Sin is way more powerful than you imagine. It's crouching at the door and its desire is for you. Sin wants to consume you and destroy you. Notice that, and its desire is for you. Does that sound familiar? Does it? Remember last week when David was preaching and, uh, and God was talking to the woman after the fall in Genesis 3.16? Notice this, to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth, and pain you will bring forth children, yet your desire will be for your husband. See that? Your desire, saying to the wife, you will want to rule over your husband, your desire will be for your husband, is the exact same language, the exact same words saying here, its desire is for you. But God is saying to Cain, but you must master it. Don't let sin consume you, master sin. So Cain told Abel his brother, and it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Anger, jealousy, bitterness, powerful emotions. And here we read of the first murder in the Bible. The fall wrecked everything, and very quickly we have the first murder, a fratricide, a brother against his brother, and it's in the family, right? Why should I be surprised that if I'm watching a dateline and someone murders their spouse because the first murder that ever happened took place in a family? Mm. He murdered his brother. Then the Lord God said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? It's not like God didn't know. God is giving Abel an opportunity to confess what he's done. Very similar to God pursuing Adam and Eve, isn't it? Where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I do not know. What a lie, right? Am I my brother's keeper? Well, isn't that the pattern of sin? The pattern of sin is we deny and deny and deny that we have sinned, and then when we're caught, we blame, don't we? 
Notice how um, sarcastic and snarky is his reply, right? Am I my brother's keeper? Now, help me a little bit. Cain was a, what did he do for a vocation? He was a farmer, right? And Abel was a shepherd, a keeper of the flock. Do you see what he's saying here? He's saying, am I supposed to be the shepherd of the shepherd? God, you seem to like shepherds. Do you want me to shepherd the shepherd? Am I my brother's keeper? Wow. There's no brokenness over sin. There's no repentance here. Am I my brother's keeper? Uh, He said to him, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. See the word blood? This is the first time blood occurs in the Bible. Uh, It was kind of hinted at earlier in the sacrifice where God slew the animal, but the first time blood occurs is here. And the first time blood occurs is when a believer is murdered because of his faith. This is the first martyr, the first believer murdered because of his faith. The Bible teaches us as well that Abel was a prophet. This is the first prophet who would be killed for speaking God's word. He would be the first, but he wouldn't be the last. In Matthew 23... Jesus is speaking in Matthew 23, verse 34. Listen to what Jesus said. Therefore, behold, I am sending you prophets and wise men and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, speaking of the religious leaders. And some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city, so that upon you may fall the guilt of all the righteous blood shed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah. You see, the Old Testament is the story of blood. It goes from the first prophet killed in the Old Testament, Abel, to the last prophet killed in the Old Testament, Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Or how about in Hebrews 12, 24, speaking of blood, and and it says, "...unto Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood." which speaks better than the blood of Abel. Many of us are reading through the Bible together, right? Reading through the New Testament. We're doing the study. And and if you're not, it's not too late to join us. And this week we were reading in Matthew, right? And we read about Jesus shedding his blood on the cross, didn't we? And listen, Jesus' blood cries out, doesn't it? His blood cries out. that our sin must be far worse than we ever imagined if what we deserve is what Christ experienced on the cross. And His blood cries out as well that God's love must be so much greater than we ever imagined if Jesus would shed His blood for us. The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you cultivate the ground, it will no longer yield its strength to you. You will be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is too great to bear. Isn't it interesting that the one that showed no mercy, what he pleads for, mercy. And what we're going to find is God is far more merciful than man. Behold, you have driven me this day from the face of the ground and from your face. Uh, I 
will be hidden and I will be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. So the Lord said to him, therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance will be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord appointed a sign for Cain so that no one finding him would slay him. What was the sign? We don't know. Then listen to one of the saddest verses in all the Bible. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. Did you see that? Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. The world thinks Abel is sad because Abel was murdered. But I want you to know Abel was murdered and he went to be with the Lord forever. But what did Cain do? Cain walked away from the Lord. Do you know that's what hell is? Hell is for people who walk away from the Lord. And so they walk away from God and from all good things forever. And that's what Cain did here. Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. He decided to do life in eternity without God. Don't make that decision, you. And he settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain had relations with his wife and she conceived. Come on, what questions does that ask? Yeah, who's his wife? Where'd she come from, right? I thought there was Cain and Abel. So next week, next week we're going to read in chapter 5. Look at Genesis 5, verse 4. Then the days of Adam, after he became the father of Seth, Seth were 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. He had other sons and daughters. Adam and Eve lived over 900 years. They had lots of children. Three of them are named. Three of them are named Cain, Abel, and later Seth because they illustrate the battle. They illustrate for us the the line of the serpent and the line of the woman. So Cain married one of his sisters. That's all there was. Cain had relations with his wife and she conceived and gave birth to Enoch. And he built a city and called the name of the city Enoch after the name of his son. Now to Enoch was born Erad, and Erad became the father of Mahuahel. I have no idea. I'm trying to say it confidently, okay? <laughs> and Mahuahel became the father of Methusael. It was so much easier in my study. And Methusael became the father of Lamech. Now next week we're going to see that many of these names are similar in the line of Cain and in the line of Enoch, or in the line of Seth, they're not the same people. They just share the same names. And Moses wants us to see the seed of the, of the serpent and, and how the seventh generation from Cain was Lamech, who was the first polygamist and a murderer. And next week we'll see the seventh generation from, from uh, Seth is Enoch and how Enoch walked with God. Um, <clears throat> Lamech took to himself two wives. Here's the first polygamy we see in the Bible, and it didn't take long, did it? Seven generations. Lamech took to himself two wives. The name of the one was Ada, and the name of the other, Zillah. Ada gave birth to Jabal, and he was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of those who play the lyre and pipe. Now, Those who believe in evolution think it took a long time to to get to places. But but listen, 
Uh, they lived a long time. They were much closer to the fall than, than we are. So they were really smart. There was domesticated animals. There was cities. There was tents. There was musical instruments. As for Zillah, she gave birth to Tubal Cain, the forger of all implements of bronze and iron. So they had bronze and bronze and iron very quickly. And the sister of Tubal Cain was Namath. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, listen to my voice, you wives of Lamech. Give heed to my speech, for I have killed a man for wounding me and a boy for striking me. If Cain is avenged sevenfold, then Lamech seventy-sevenfold. So from the line of the serpent, we see pride, arrogance, defiance, polygamy, murder. Adam had relations with his wife, Adam knew Eve, and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth. For she said, God has appointed me another offering in the place of Abel. Adam and Eve believed, perhaps this is the one who will be the savior of the world. Uh, God has appointed, anointed, appointed me another offspring in the place of Abel, for Cain killed him. To Seth, to him was also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. Then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. Um, men began to walk by faith. Men began to gather together for the first time and worship God openly. And so what we see in chapter 4 is the battle begins, the battle between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. We see a battle throughout the Bible and throughout history between the church and the world. And we see ultimately how Jesus would come and he would crush the head of the serpent while the serpent would bruise his heel. That's what we've learned. And, and what I want you to do this week is, is to learn from Abel to walk by faith, to walk by faith. Let me show you a great verse about walking by faith. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. In this great battle between the world and the church, between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman, the way we overcome is through faith. We put our faith in the one who overcame the world. Uh, faith is how we begin the Christian life. Faith is how we live the Christian life. Do, do, do you have faith? Do you have faith in the one who overcame the world? I can't believe that Dylan showed this verse earlier. But, but look at what Jesus said in John 16, 33. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. Take courage. I have overcome the world. Do you know what the Bible says? There's bad news. And here's the bad news. We have a problem called sin. We have sinned against God and we are sinners. The bad news of the gospel is not only do we have a problem called sin, we have a problem called death. Because we've sinned against God, we deserve death, not just physical death, but eternal death. The bad news is we have a problem called sin and death and the devil. We have a problem because there is the devil who wants to hold us captive. And there's the world that's trying to squeeze us into its mold. And so the bad news of the gospel is we have a problem, sin and death and the devil in the world. But the gospel has good news. Jesus has overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. That Jesus is God who became a man, who lived a perfect life for us, 
who went to the cross, who died for our sins, who shed his blood, and his blood cries out. His blood cries out that we are sinners, and that's what we deserve. His blood cries out that we are loved beyond our wildest imagination. So Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and he rose, and he offers us salvation. You know what that is? It's salvation from sin, so that we could be forgiven and freed from its power. It's salvation from death, so that we could do life and eternity with Jesus. It's, it's salvation from the devil, that we would be set free. It's salvation from the world, so that we could overcome the world. And what does God require of us? Isn't it faith? Isn't it? But as many <clears throat> as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Would you like to overcome sin? Would you like to overcome death? Would you like to overcome the devil? Would you like to overcome the world? And won't you put your faith in Jesus? Uh, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Putting our faith in Jesus really is as simple as A, B, C, where we admit and believe and commit. If you've never done that, won't you? There was a day in my life where I admitted, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And if you haven't, won't you? And I believed. I said, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose, won't you? And I committed to Jesus as Savior and Lord. Jesus, I want you to come in and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. And he did, won't you? And I want you to be Lord of my life. And from this day forward, I, I, I'll follow you, won't you? And if you have, if you have, do, do, do you hear what the Bible says? For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. You've believed in Jesus. You've been born of God. You can overcome the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. The way we overcome the world is through our faith. We begin by faith. We live by faith. And so this week, I want to encourage you to walk by faith so you can overcome the world. Two things that can help us walk by faith. One is remembering our identity. Who am I? And secondly, our purpose. Why am I here? This week, I want you to wake up and why not come back to this verse and remember, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. I'm a Christian. I'm a disciple I'm a follower of Jesus. I've been born of God. I'm a child of God. I'm an overcomer. Because when you remember who you are, you'll walk by faith. A story I love was there was a king, and the king had a son who was out of control, who was out of control. He hired all these tutors to help his son uh, become well-behaved, but all of the tutors failed until he hired a new tutor. And in no time, the tutor had his son walking under control, and the king said, what did you do? What did you do? No one's been able to do this. And the tutor said, well, it's really pretty simple. I got a piece of purple cloth, and I cut out a piece, and I put it on your son's robe. And I told him to look at it often and remember who he is. And when your son remembers his royalty, he acts like it. Imagine what would happen in our lives this week when we get up and spend time with Jesus if we remembered who we are. I'm a Christian. I'm a disciple. 
I'm a follower of Jesus. I've hooked my wagon to Jesus. I've been born of God. I'm an overcomer. When we remember who we are, we'll act like who we are and we'll walk by faith. And when we walk by faith, we'll overcome the world. So remember who you are. Another thing that will help us to walk by faith is to remember why we're here. Why we're here, we're here on earth to make disciples. And the more we give Jesus away to others, the more real he will be to us. If you want to walk by faith, it's very important that you learn to tell others about Jesus because the more you give him away, the more real he'll be to you. Let me illustrate. I'm, um, I'm working with a couple about to get married doing pre-marriage counseling, and I want you to know when I meet with this young couple, I get way more out of it than they do. I do. I'm meeting with this couple and I'm saying, uh, listen, husband or groom, you need to love your wife like Christ loves the church. What do I hear? Uh, maybe I should do that too, right? And then I, I'm sharing with this couple. I said, listen, when, when one of you gets mad, you take the first step and go and say you're sorry. And, and you know what? When I'm telling them, you know what? That's, that's moving me. That's why we're encouraging you. When you spend time with Jesus, when you read the word and then you pray the word, then share the word. Go and share with someone else what you learn because that'll make Jesus more real to you. And listen, when we come on Sunday mornings and we're instructed, we need to cultivate the habit of then going and sharing with others what we learn because that will help us walk by faith. So this week, you think this week you'll meet anybody who's discouraged, do you? You think you'll meet anybody this week who says, oh man, the world's just, it's just such a mess. That's your opportunity, okay? Just say, um, could I share with you what we learned in church on Sunday? Now you have to remember what you learned, right? So invite them to come and see Jesus. Invite them to come and read right from God's word. Invite them to read 1 John 5, 4, okay? For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. We learn that when we put our faith in Jesus, we can overcome sin and death and the devil and the world. We can live every day of our life knowing that the best is yet to come. Wouldn't you like to be an overcomer? Or this week, maybe this week a murder will happen. Or maybe you're watching Dateline with a friend, okay? and there's a murder, why not ask your friend, you ever wonder what the first murder in history was? And then say, hey, could I share with you what we learned in church on Sunday? And invite them, invite them, to have them read Genesis chapter 4. There's power in God's word. Or how about this? You ever meet any frustrated parents? Do you? Maybe you're with a friend this week and their kids are fighting and they go, why do my kids fight all the time? Isn't that your opportunity, isn't it? Why not say, hey, you ever wondered who the first kids were that fought with one another? Listen, that's what we learned about in church on Sunday. Hey, why don't you come and see with me? Have them read Genesis chapter 4 with you. There is power in God's Word. You see, you're born of God. You can do it. You've been given the Holy Spirit. You can do it. You can do it. You can share your faith. You've been taught. Just invite someone to come and see Jesus. Oh, man, I want to encourage you. You can do it. You can overcome the world. You can be a difference maker. Listen, 
For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so glad you came and conquered our enemy of sin and death and the devil and rose so that we could become overcomers through you. Listen, if you're here today and you've never put your faith in Christ, won't you admit to him where you are? Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And won't you believe, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And won't you commit to him, Jesus, come in and and be my Savior and, and give me the gift of eternal life? I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've put your faith in him for the first time, mark it on your card. We'd love to celebrate with you. Tell someone. And Lord, I pray all of us who've, who've put our faith in you this week that we would walk by faith, that we would get up each day and spend time with you and remember who we are and then act like it. And Lord, I pray we would get up each day and remember why we're here. And each of us this week, as we go out, we would share with others what you are teaching us. May gospel conversations break out all over the county this week. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.